start thinking about retiring from uh, doing those little songs. You want to come every week. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Somebody can read that up there. It says, What do you want? So I'd like you to think just for a moment. If Jesus came up and said, What do you want? What would your answer be? And just think on that for a second. Just up to you. Just to yourself. Just I usually want your dialogue opportunity. What would you want? There's there could be a lot of answers. Some would want good health, some would want to enter the the virus, some would want to enter the injustice in the world, some would want to enter um, slavery around the world, maybe some would want to enter all these uh, refugees, millions of them that are basically imprisoned in certain spots into war. There could be a lot of things you would say what do you want. Okay? But it doesn't just simply say that in the text. James and John come to Jesus and say, We want you to do what we ask of you. And Jesus says these words, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And it really reminded me when I first thought about this of the Thanksgiving Day. What do you want me to do for you? You know, sometimes on Thanksgiving Day, we're just kind of thankful in general. You know, Thanksgiving is a day for us to thank someone specific. God. We want to thank God for what he's done for us, not just to have a general sense of thanksgiving. So this is where you want me, Jesus, to do for you. What do you want me, Jesus, to do for you? That's what I want you to think about now. What do you want me to do for you? Not others, not just the world in general, but for you. Now, when we give that answer, sometimes Jesus' answer to our wants is no, as it was for James and John. But not always. We need to look at another question. Not only what do we want, but why do we want it? And I don't have this marked, so just give me a second here to find it. But I want you to hear what it says in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but can't, don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. So I want you not only this day to ask, what do you want me to do for you? But I want then you to follow that with why. Why do we want Jesus to do those things? As we think on that, let's just look at some examples. If we look into the Psalms over and over and over again, the Psalms say that they want God to deliver them, to rescue them, to protect them, to provide for them, to forgive them. There's lots of things the psalmist asks to make haste. In other words, the psalmist even says, hurry. I'm in a desperate situation right now. Hurry and help me right now. Then we move on to a New Testament story about the blind man. Let me read it to you. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and the great crowd, Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus, or a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then he rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. 
and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do, you want, what do you want me to do for you? Our question for today, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. What did he want? Sorry. Why did he want it? Wanted to be made well, right? And when he asked Jesus of this, think about when that Messiah would come, what would he do? He would heal the lame, right? He would give sight to the blind. So he's saying, heal me. This is what's wrong. Is there anything wrong with asking Jesus to heal us? Not at all. We want to do that. We want to be dependent upon Jesus and ask for what our needs are. And when we do so, God is glorified. Ask. That's a great desire that we would be healed, that we would show our dependence on him and make much of his name, which is what the blind men did. But then we look on to David, and with this, you're not going to hear so much... Um, of Jesus saying, what do you want me to do for you? This is the Old Testament, so this is David. And I, I'm reminded of a book by the title, Wish. In that book, it says there's different postures we have towards God. Okay, We sometimes try to be for God, or, or below God, or from God, all these different attitudes. Okay, But what God really wants is for us to walk with him. And I know there's a lot of people who seek to simply let their lives be a life of, I'm doing for God. And God's more along the lines of, instead of you trying to do something for me, okay, in your strength, I want you to walk with me, dependent on me. You know how freeing that is? Instead of all the evangelism has to be about what you're doing, all that kind of stuff, it can simply be, I walk with Jesus. He opens up the opportunities, he gives me the words to say, and I say them. I'm walking with him. Take so much of the stress and pressure off, and we do what God calls us to do. Walk with Him. Remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. And that matters. Listen to David's story here in 2 Samuel 7. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, that's the prophet, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, and following the sheep, that you would be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, by the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. Violent men shall afflict them no more formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over the people of Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, 
and your days are fulfilled, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. What did David want? He wanted to do for God, didn't he? He had a house. He said, God, why are you just in a tent when I have this great house? I want to build a house for you. Is that a bad thing? Not at all. His son Solomon would. Okay? Sometimes we ask, God, would you please provide this for me? And it's a good thing. It's not like James 4, something that's evil we want to spend on our own pleasures. It's a good thing. And sometimes still God says, no. No. Because he has something better to do. Instead of David building a house for God, God was going to build a household out of David. And God was going to, through David, provide this promised Messiah who would live and reign over all forever. <coughs> Have you ever thought about that? When God says to you, what do you want? And we say, and he says, no. You ever think, huh, I wonder what better thing he's going to provide for me. In my life, that never happens. I want to grow. I want to grow into that. I want to grow into being dependent on God so that I can start to see things from his perspective. Right? My wife and I took Thursday and Friday to go out to Colorado Bend State Park, out by the Pass. And as we were there, the first night, we took a little trek and did some rock hopping and went across a, a river back and forth. And then all the way around, and we came back. Then we took another, we got lost for a little bit. And then we tried to take another trail. And this trail took us back past the same place, except it was high up. So we had the perspective of seeing things down at the, at the river. And then we had the perspective of seeing from much higher, looking down at it again. You know, it looks much different from above. I wonder if we can pray for God. What do I want? Maybe I want God's perspective so that when I don't get what I'm looking for, I might begin to see it God's way. He might be building a house out of me rather than fulfilling something I want to do for him. Then we go to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 8. We meet this man, and there's going to be a number of you, I think, that probably don't even know who this guy is. He's mentioned in just a short little bit. So listen to this story. This is about Simon the Magician in Acts chapter 8. In this chapter before, what I'm going to read is about Philip and the good things that Philip is doing and God's using him. So there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor life, <clears throat> for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity, or sin. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. What do you want? He wanted to have the gift so when he laid his hands on people, they received the Holy Spirit. Why do you want that? Because he'd been called great for a long time. He wanted to be called great again. He lost his place. You know, I just love it when people walk out and they say, I'm a good friend of Pastor. It makes me feel great. I wonder if sometimes what God wants is for y'all just to be quiet and you can say greet me and all kinds of stuff that don't say anything. But I find out that my real assurance comes from did I preach God's word or did you like what I said? And when it's both, praise be to God. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Do I live for people thinking I'm great? Or do I live for God and glory? What do you want and why? What do you want and why? What do I want and what's driving my request? So what do you want Jesus to do for you? And why? Think about that. Some of us don't want to bother Jesus. Have you met people like that? Some of you watching on, on TV today might be in that position. I just don't want to bother Jesus. Okay? But when we call out to him as a child calls out to his father, does that bother him? No. I didn't admit. Okay? He wants us dependent upon him, not living isolated from him, as though we are a bother to the king of the universe. That's not true. Some ask with wrong motives. James chapter 4. And when we do so, the answer will be no. But God's desire is that we switch it around to answer his question with a question. What do you want me to do for you then becomes you, Jesus. What do you want me to do with you? Like John Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Or what if we made this our request? I'm going to end with this. What if we made this our request? Jesus, I want you to turn my life upside down. I know how many of you want to make that your prayer request. Zero. Because right? I like the comfort that I have right now. I like what's going on right now. Okay? Usually, the only time we want Jesus to turn our life upside down is when we're really hurting and in pain and suffering. Then I want you to flip it upside down. 
But isn't that exactly what Jesus did with James and John and the rest of the disciples? Saul was going from place to place, taking Christians and bringing them back, putting them in chains, bringing them back so they might be killed. And what did Jesus do to Saul? Upside down. And their lives was exponentially better, more meaningful, more purposeful once Jesus turned everything upside down. It's kind of like what Jared Pat talked about this morning. I want you to turn my life upside down so that I'm set free from myself and depend upon you to carry your cross. Question is, as we think about the message today, what do I want? Lord Jesus, what we want is to follow you. Is to follow you. And you do what you want us to do. To find life and hope and purpose and purpose as we depend as we depend only on you. this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Goodbye.